0: to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, February the 26th, uh, recording it a day early, obviously Virginia has a basketball game on Wednesday night this week, so it would probably not be good for me not to go to the game uh, and instead uh, record this year program, it would probably be in my best interest to be in JPJ tomorrow night, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, um, so yeah, well, we were about ugh. Wow, that was awful. We're going to preview uh, Virginia's matchup uh, against Georgia Tech. We're going to talk a little bit about two about the the pit game. Um, sure, somebody um, not named Brad is going to give Brad crap for some comment he made on a podcast once, and I'm just going to pretend that there was another Brad and evil Brad, and I killed him. Um, we'll we'll talk about both those basketball games. We'll talk uh, a little bit about maybe the big picture and sort of where Virginia is. In general, and then we have some questions uh, We're rolling out a new segment uh, I guess we're just going to say Ask Cavs Corner Because that's seems to be the most appropriate Way to call it, but we'll get to those Later on in the show, before we get started Let's go around and introduce everybody We'll start in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show How are you my friend?
1: Doing great, Brad, I'm not going to make some comment About how I've got 24 reasons to be happy now So, hoodays on the board At hoodays on Twitter
0: I expected that would be the part where you gave me crap <laughs> For my comment about Pitt and how they had turned uh, turned it around uh, Up in uh, Arlington Staff writer Justin Ferber Now that he has Found his headphones Is also on the show How are you buddy
2: I'm doing great um, 24 reasons to be happy Sounds like a Steven Sondheim Musical number Or something But yeah. I think it won an Oscar <laughs> Yeah exactly Yeah all right. Um, so many gifts Add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter
0: and Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore corner, great place for the in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I'm also surprised Ferber didn't give me crap for calling him Justin Ferber uh, in the outro last week. Where, I mean, you guys are just going to let me tell him myself. I put things up
2: into a fervor or whatever.
0: <laughs> what's really funny, though, is I said it. I finished it. I hit the button, said we were done recording, and, and then you made instantly made fun of me. Uh,
2: well, but, I, honestly, it's not that irregular just because. Almost nobody in my life calls me by my first name, so True. It, it, you, eventually you get over it. But what's
0: really funny is how many times have I ever done that, though? We've done 200 and some odd of these podcasts. You've been on most of them, right? How many times have I—that's I, the first time I've ever flubbed your name. I'm sorry. I probably and then was. you and then
2: you came in hot to start this episode, so— I did, man. I don't know. Back-to-back yeah. back possessions out it's, the window. It's probably
0: because I thought Mike Bray was the best coach in the league, and probably because I thought Pitt had turned the corner. <laughs> See, I'm just gonna See? keep. Tell- I'm gonna keep. Give- I'm gonna steal you alls yeah. material so you don't have anything to talk crap to me about. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah you can pretty much cut me off now. I got nothing left. <laughs> Dave, no other comments. We should also state
0: for the record that as we record the show, Virginia Virginia Tech and, and Duke are still playing uh, basketball uh, at least for a little while longer. And there might be times when Dave sounds especially grumpy. Uh, as we were waiting for this, is some really cutting edge behind the scenes scoop here for you folks. But before we started recording the show, Dave uh, Ferber was looking for his uh, headphones and. Dave is watching the game and you should hear the grumbling coming I mean just I, I don't know if you watch every game that way or maybe it's just two no. teams that you desperately no. hate but uh, it, yeah. it was it was, it was yeah. very entertaining to me it just made me it just stressed me out as you were
2: grumbling Who, who do you want to win this game
1: The asteroid um, eight overtimes that's <laughs> what so I don't want to win this game I want this game to get eight overtimes and coaches get suspended for a couple games I don't know Yeah <laughs> I, whoever wins I'm going to be happy and upset <laughs> um, if both colleges the ground, that would be the. I'm already funniest. ticked because the result cannot make me happy.
0: But no, 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 but it can make you happy. See, here's the thing. See, like you can't focus on the on who won. You have to just focus on who loses. If Duke loses, it's good for UVA. And hey, you win. If if Tech loses, haha, suck at hokies. then then you're happy, right? So, like, <laughs> you <laughs> like this know, should right? this should be the way you view everything in life, Dave. Is not necessarily the 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 positive <laughs> impact that will make you sad. Focus on the negative impact that will make you happy.
1: You know what? That glass is half full. You know what? That glass does suck. Um, or someone else drink it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's actually do our job. Um, so Saturday, Virginia down 12 in the first half, and then they come back and beat the crap out of Louisville in the second half. Outscored the Cardinals 38-4 in the paint. They had a um, – what was it? Seven blocks in the game, and Louisville only had five two-point field goals. They only scored five points from the 11-38. 9 mark on I'm just doing that off memory That's probably wrong But whatever it was it was some insane number They only gave up 15 points In the entire second half They got a Tony That's great uh, In the second half um, I came away from that game Thinking Virginia Looked In the second half Like a team I don't want to say I don't wanna say want to say that they, were, they looked different They didn't look different I've just never I just don't remember The last time I saw Virginia have That much success At the rim Especially against Louisville Which is typically a team I mean I realize They're a team in transition And everything But to have that much success at the rim, I don't know how how much they can replicate that going forward. Um, but it certainly seemed sort of um, it seemed like they had plenty of, of of options at the rim. And and as I did the rewatch, like a lot of the stuff is just the same sort of action, just with different pieces in different places. I mean, not I mean it didn't seem to be. And I don't I'm not trying to throw shade at Louisville. Don't get me wrong. I just it just looked very. Sim- it reminded me of Georgia Tech football. Like good luck trying to stop the dive. Um, rest in peace Paul Johnson's offense um, It just looked like They were just doing The same thing Over and over Louisville just had No idea what to do With it What do you think Dave When you when you watch that one Eventually Oh that's a good We should We stay for the record So like Dave Didn't get to watch it Because he had to work And so then He watched it Like hours later And Ferber and I Just enjoyed The, the, the random texts Of like Commentary and yeah. That happens every it's, year, and it's you realize like
2: moments. one. You look at the result, and it's like, oh that looks about right, you know. They won by twelve, but it's like, yeah, we'll wait till you just see how they got there yeah. and enjoy, you yep.
0: know. Enjoy. It is definitely one of those games well, that see, was probably better to watch if, if you watched it live. You're stressed, but you watch it after the fact, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh. You know, you go through a range of emotion.
1: Yeah, it was weird. You know, a lot of times when when I'm too busy, to, you know, working and can't watch the game. I'm able to like have the phone with me and keep track of the score. But there was a point, I think Louisville went up when Louisville first went up double digits in the first half. I won't say which one of the two of you put said L in the text thread <laughs> and that was and assumed, assumed the hand-wringing title from me. So I didn't have to worry about dealing with that the rest of the day. Um, I didn't get to see the score again until Virginia had taken the lead in the second half. So I had no clue what had happened in the interim. So, not only was it fun to watch because I, I knew the result when I did, I also didn't know how they came back. So I had no idea that Kyle and Ty were so off when they're jumpers. And if you just, I think I told you guys later, if you just sent me that box score and blurred the names out, <laughs> I would have, like, I would have said you're full of it. Um, it was just a crazy game, and it probably goes down as far as, you know, multiple, you know, De- DeAndre Hunter can score. No surprise there. But having Mamadi and Jay do that well at, on, at the same game, like that was kind of crazy to me because that meant they both had to play considerable minutes, um, which doesn't happen very much. So, you know, usually one gets minutes in, in exchange for the other. So it was an unusual game, but very fun to watch. And I can't quite figure out what Louisville did different in the second half. Um
0: I mean, other than not making I just know the Virginia point executed shots, because that yeah, yeah, that was that was a big reason why they. I really
1: win. think, like, I don't want to simplify it, but to me, it was just DeAndre Hunter showed why he's a lottery pick. And when you got one dude on the court doing that, it makes the other four guys better. And you know, Kyle and Ty are always gonna draw attention, even when they're off, because it takes them two seconds to get going. Um, so when you got a when you got another guy, just you know, De, you know, DeAndre had that look in his eye, man. Um, you add that. To an already, you know, an already sophisticated offense, especially, uh, you know, it's typically been the block remover. But this year, I do feel like the offense is much more sophisticated. There's, you know, it's almost NBA like in some of the stuff they're running now. Um, and you add that piece, that, that's a tough stop. And I think Louisville just kind of got overwhelmed by it. Well,
0: because Louisville was trying to run this one three one, and what Virginia was doing to it was really simple: couple ball screens. Um, you know two man action on the side and then basically uh they would clear one side out and they would just attack it and they would force one player usually the the Williams kid in the middle either you're going to either you're going to go to the guard and he's going to pass it or you're going to stay home and he's going to score and <laughs> i mean it 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 was very it was very interesting the way that the 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 what's well, actually been interesting the way that the offenses have sort of um Folded together, right? They, there's a mesh between blocker mover and the continuity ball screen stuff that they're running, where initially looks like one thing and then it, it ends up being something different. Uh, how you defend it when you're probably in you know a standard man to man is not that different, but when you're trying to to run what Louisville's trying to do with some pack line principles and everything, I mean they were just stepping and fetching like their heads were on fire and something else was catching. Um, it was not. It was just it was just not something I've seen from UVA, and I think it would be very, I don't know, cosmic's not the right word, but poetic, appropriate that the year after their offense struggles because they can't hit shots, they come back and their offense is now versatile and they've got these rim runners. I mean, I'm at that point where like I watched that game and, and this morning on the rewatch and thought, man, they need to do a lot more stuff with the lob. Like anytime they throw it up there, dudes score. Um, and I'm, I'm realizing that, that, that sometimes that's going to be a problem based on, you know, personnel from the other team. But I was just really impressed with, with Huff and Diakite and, and certainly the way that they meshed together. Ferber, as you watched that thing actually unfold, you, you didn't get a chance to, to watch it late. Um, but what, what, what stood out to you the most about that game Saturday?
2: Yeah. I mean, like Dave said, I I did think they were going to lose, um, when, and, and this hasn't happened a lot. You know, it's not always a deficit that makes me think that. Sometimes it's just feel of the game on top of that. And and I had that feeling just because, you know, McMahon hits those back-to-back threes, puts them up 12. And UVA wasn't really getting it done on the offensive end of the floor. And that was coupled with the other team shooting well. And the last time we've really seen that was, you know, at the beginning of the Duke game before UVA's offense got going. And then, honestly, the UMBC game, really. You know, the uh, complete, you know inability to get going offensively and then not necessarily poor defense across the board, but, you know, the other teams just making the shots they're getting. And then Louisville started getting open ones and that was concerning. Uh, They closed the half pretty strong, but I think that the most impressive thing to me um, is that they have shown now an ability to win in different ways, right? Uh, You saw on Monday last week when they played in Blacksburg tech scores, I think like 40% of their points on made threes, and uh, for good reason. I mean, they shoot the ball really well from three, and then when they missed those, they didn't really have a recipe to win, right? They kept it close, but I mean, honestly, UVA could have easily won that game by 12, 13, 14 points instead of six, just came down to, you know, free throws at the end and all that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they kind of showed that they have a recipe for victory, and if you take it away, it, it struggles, but on the other hand, UVA, you know, they came in and just didn't make the shots that they normally make ones that they made in Blacksburg and in other games. And they were able to kind of overcome and, you know, they shot, what was it two for 17? I think Deandre made both of those threes and uh, you know, it's, it didn't matter. They were still able to get it done. And I thought that Dave's point about Deandre was really important. And I think it's interesting that, you know, they went on the road twice last week. They played two ranked teams and sold out gyms and, you deandre gets two quick fouls and then tony sits him for the rest of the half which i know is controversial amongst the fans and analytics people and all that um but then he comes in in the second half and just absolutely goes to work on them and they didn't have anybody that could guard him they didn't have really anybody that could score on him and then once that happened especially against zone it just really opened everything up for everybody else and you started seeing a lot more uncontested shots at the rim and good looks on mid-range jumpers and, and what have you so Yeah, I think that that's encouraging. But at the same time, obviously, there are going to be games in the future where you're not going to be able to survive if you shoot two of 17 from three. So you hope that they can clean that up a little bit.
0: Yeah, because I think as you – I mean, if you think back to last year, right, you think back to the UMBC game, one of the things that was tough about it was that Virginia's basically just kept running the same stuff. Dudes getting the same shots. They just weren't going in. And you kept thinking, like, eventually they'll fall, eventually they'll fall, eventually they'll fall. Now what you have is so much more – Versatility that even even players you know even tying and Kyle like they understood okay the three isn't falling you drive I think Kihei Clark in this game did a great job of understanding hey I shouldn't just take what the defense gives me I should try to probe and get something better for somebody else and I think that if you know especially if he can keep that up I think that's substantial but I, I think the 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 thing that really stood out to me too was that you weren't able you weren't even just playing Diakite and Huff Moore you were able to do it because I thought they played really good defense. I thought, you know, not just blocking shots, but even just moving around. There were a couple of times where uh, their ability to sort of move from the perimeter to the and back to the lane and get down was was evident, and it certainly it's a good sign. Even if even if Huff is still not to the point where I think he's going to play 25, 30 minutes a game. I think it's it's realistic to think that he should be getting more minutes and and especially if 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 Bennett is going to continue to sort of test uh each game out and and maybe that's maybe there's something to like it takes a while for Virginia to sort of get settled because he's got to see the way his different pieces fit together and then he's got to employ some some tweaks to to whatever they're doing um it's not just a question of rolling out five dudes and 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 hey we're all good um I also thought too, in I mean, look, I think Duke I think Duke really did break Louisville because that team was not they were not as skittish in second I mean I, I didn't watch a lot of Louisville before um, the Duke game, but I, I watched enough to know that like what has happened to them, I mean the Clemson game, this one, I mean they are just like you could even see it in their body language even before UVA took the lead. I, I've said that on the board, like like there was a point when they were still up, where you could just it – just, it just looked like a game Virginia was about to win. And, like, eventually – you just knew once UVA took the lead, that thing was done. And those kids um, – I mean, it kind of even looked like that in the first half. When Virginia had, you know, some nice moments. Huff comes in. He scores a few. He had that one right before the half. And, it, and, and had uh, Noir not made that three-pointer from near midcourt, mid-court with Diakite's hand in his face um, – I mean, I, honestly, it looked like a block coming to me. Like, even – and then I even thought that on the rewatch. Like, you know, I expected him to be, you know, doing the whole no soup for you finger wag and stuff, right? And, nah, I mean, dude just buries his three, and it gave him some momentum. But, man, they just they just could not find it in the second half. Um, shots just weren't falling. Dudes were visibly dejected. Um, and then Chris Mack picks up the technical, and, I mean, it, it was, you know, Katie barred the door from there. Um we're going to get to their preview of, of, Georgia tech in a second, but before we do, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, what has happened since the game. Right. So at this point we know where Virginia is in the, in the, in the ACC, right. We, we know that they need, and I mean, I don't know, is a tech game over yet? Uh, Dave, are you still watching? Um,
2: the, I'm still they're watching. up four Tech's right leading. now at the under four.
0: Okay. So, so tech is, yeah. is trying to help UVA out here a little bit. Um, a lot,
1: but <laughs> I am gonna go ahead and say book it. Wow, wow. because
2: yeah, <laughs> wow. what could go wrong, right? Tech yeah. loses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, win, win. yeah, if you're listening to this, uh tech won, you know, <laughs> no matter what <laughs> happened, don't don't look at the results. Yeah. That's um, what happened. So And just think of tech thing,
0: So we know where UVA is in ACC and you know the schedule's obviously not nearly as daunting now for UVA. But in terms of polls, right? There's been a lot of conversation in terms of polls. Virginia Moves up a spot to number two, I think is fair. Gonzaga moves up to number one, I think is fair. Um, there was a lot of, what's the How word? How
2: dare you, Brad? How dare
0: you? <laughs> there was a lot of, let, let's call it consternation among certain segments of the fan base. Uh, and I I do want to have a conversation about polls not necessarily just in terms of this specific week, giving these specific circumstances, but just sort of the overall sort of like, what, what does, what does the associated press top 25? And again, I like to, you know, I like to stress this. We don't use whatever poll looks better for UVA. We, we use the AP poll. We consistently use the AP poll. I don't care what the coach's poll says. It's a thing that exists. So it's Ken Palm. I don't rank. I, I don't refer to the team as anything else, but the AP poll is what I do. That's our, our style. Um, what does the AP poll sort of, though, serve? Like, what purpose does it serve? And I, I think for a lot of fans, there's, like, this weird validation thing that happens with the poll, right? Like, that it is, like – that, like, it matters. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I think it gives us a nice snapshot of, like, what's imp- like what's a big game and what's not, you know? Um, because let's be honest. Like, if they're playing the number 15 team, that does feel different than if they're playing the number three team, right? Um but both of those teams are still good, which is why that stat about them having beaten five uh, top twenty-five teams on the road this year, four of them in the league, is a substantial thing. I mean, that just—I think—that shows a lot about UVA as a as a as a team. But in terms of the poll itself, Dave, I want to start with you. What does the AP poll mean to you? What does it say to you? And and do you care about where UVA is ranked every week?
1: What what it means to me is we're going to have a fun text thread every Sunday night, Monday morning. I mean, that's a given. Um, but it, look, I, I think it's it, it just you know it progresses. It's like everything else as your as your team goes from you know when you're a fan when your team goes from kind of you know look at me look at me to oh my god we're actually good to now we're knocking on you know there's a difference between knocking on good. knocking on the door to being good and knocking on the door to being elite you know it's a lot bigger door you got to knock a lot longer to get in there and i think virginia is there now so for me like last year being ranked number one was a little more important because it had been such a, a long time um but now like you know after after the way last year ended and after being number one so much of the season like to me as long as virginia gets a one seed or even a two seed you know you know, if you told me coming in the season, Virginia, we got in a 2C, but did well in March, I'd be okay with it. You know, March and April, I'd been okay with it. So, I don't pull hairs about it. It's a week-to-week thing. Um, to, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I certainly don't understand why people are so upset about it. I mean, God forbid, that everyone, all the writers in the country think there's one team, not even by unanimous, you know, just a majority of the writers in the country think one team in the country is better than yours. Like, what is there to complain about?
0: <laughs> well, I think there's a, I think the, the correlation or the, not correlation, that's the wrong word. The, the sort of um, contrast I'm going to, going to make here is, I think is, is appropriate. So I think about the poll the same way I think about recruiting rankings, right? It's a game inside of a game, right? So your team goes out and actually plays the sport, wins, loses, they go wherever they go. They win championships. They don't. They lose to the 16 seeds. They don't. Whatever. All right. That in and of itself is one game. But then there's another game, which is the poll, right, to be the number one team in the country, to to have this level of this status. Something you said there actually really sparked something in my brain. I think as you are building a program, right, As you're, if you're a fan of a team that is kind of coming up, there's a certain sort of um, – there's an achievement, right, that comes with being in the top 20, being in the top 15, being in the top 10, being in the top five, being the number one team in the country. But, like, once you get there and you've been on that mountaintop and you didn't win a championship, like, what what purpose can it really serve? And I kind of think as I'm as you were talking, I was thinking about it, it makes sense to me that fans want to be number one, just like fans want their their recruits to be, you know, better than other schools' recruits. It's a game inside of a game. They want to have a recruiting class that is better than so-and-so and better than so-and-so. They want to be able to say, like, they have the number 17 class. They want a top 20 class. They want a top 15 class. Whether we like it or not, those things, one, they're not going anywhere. But then, two, like, they do th- – that game is fun. Like, it is a – it especially if you're <laughs> – especially if you have some success. I think fans want to have the number one team in the country. There's a certain – I think, especially earlier in the season, there was a certain um, sort of vibe among fans that – Virginia was getting disrespected this season for things that didn't happen this season. That basically, uh, the UMBC game and sort of the way last season ended, had forced people to sort of view this specific team in a different way. And I almost wonder if, um, if that is still there's still this sort of knee jerk reaction among some fans. And I'm and look, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. This is definitely not everybody. But I think that for Virginia, you know, fans specifically. There's this aspect to it that is a disrespect angle. And a lot of it, I think, comes from just the ad nauseum kind of conversation about a 16 beating a one, about you know what was talked about in the preseason with this team. And so ultimately, I wonder how much of that is at play.
1: All of this is really just yeah, set up. But ultimately, I,
0: no, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Right,
1: sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, but ultimately, Virginia have been number one this week. Do you know what articles you'd be reading right now?
0: tell me yeah. hey
1: virginia's number one late in the season again do we ever you know, yep, remember what true. happened last year like so you know play the disrespect card all you want if you want to if you don't want to hear umbc stuff don't be ranked number one right now
0: that's true what i was saying a second ago is all of this is a setup I ferber said he had plenty to say on this topic and i'm very interested because he said he was going to go on a rant and in the time that i've known justin Ferber, his his rants are far and free between, but they are always very enjoyed. And hopefully I have not just uh, written a check that you're not about to cash. But please, Ferber, tell the people your thoughts on
2: polls. <laughs> I, I'm not going to – I'm not like angry or anything. Um, Way to let but you it down. It, unless, you, unless you want me to be angry. Get um, angry. I mean I want you to be angry. Oh my, I'm mad. Um no It's I, wrong. I, Uh, To answer your first original question, I mean, I think the purpose of polls, honestly, is just to inform casual fans and more serious fans around the country of who the best teams are, you know, generally speaking, right? I mean, who the top 25 teams are, who they're going to be playing this week. It's just easier to follow that way. Nowadays, it's not as important, probably, because of all the advanced metrics that we have and the fact that we can, you know, I can watch a game, I can watch a Buffalo-Akron tonight if I wanted to. Um, you know, I can watch the Tech-Duke game. I can watch Gonzaga, whatever, um, which is great. But, I mean, polls kind of just validate – I think for fans, like you said, it, like, validates that the team, you know, is where they feel like it is or or where they want it to be. I think that – and I'm not saying UVA fans are the only people who feel this way. But I think that the issue is that people feel like it's all about resume and deserve, you know, whatever. Like, I get a lot of tweets and stuff this week about how you, you know, Gonzaga doesn't play anybody. Um, so, how could you have them number one? It's like, that's great, but they're beating the crap out of everybody that they can play. It's not their fault. They're not in a bigger league. And I'm not saying you just give it to them because they have more wins or whatever. But, I mean, there is a subjective feeling factor there where you can watch them play and see that they're good. And also, you can go back and look at what they did in the non-conference and see that they're good. I'm not saying that they're better than UVA or that they would beat them on a neutral floor, but I think it's at least reasonable to have them above UVA in a poll. And I think that's as good as you're going to get with with this, you know, creation of a top 25. The AP doesn't say rank teams based on resume like the NCAA tournament seeds teams. That's not how it works. And, and it also doesn't say they have to rank them based on who's hottest right now or who had the best week or, you know, you have to keep teams in a certain order. I understand that fans feel like there is, like, a bias against UVA. I don't really think that exists because last year they lost a game on a Saturday and were number one in the polls on Monday, right? And the team they lost to, I believe, was unranked and the game was at home. And they didn't play well in the process. But they still got ranked number one because that's where that they had the best case to be number one that week. I think UVA has a good case to be number one now, but I think Gonzaga does too. And you could even make a case for Duke. I mean, obviously they're about to lose, but um, like I, I don't think that people should get so caught up in it because it just doesn't matter that much. Like, do you think re- people really will remember? I mean, UVA fans will remember that they were number one, but um, nobody else is going to remember who is number one right now once the tournament starts, right? I mean, there's four number one seeds. They go play the games. UVA got to number one last year, and that was a great achievement, and then they fell flat on their face in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, it it doesn't mean that people are saying UVA is bad. They're number two. Like, do you understand how ridiculous the idea of UVA being number two is to me, somebody who grew up watching, like, the mediocre version of UVA for years? I think that – and it's just like this – it feels like people feel disrespected or something by the way that the voting happens, and that's just not the way it is. Like – I think people just need to calm down about this sort of stuff because polls at the end of the day are just a good reference point. They don't have any impact on NCAA tournament seating and they don't impact recruiting. Like people think it does. Yeah. It's good to be ranked, but I mean, you think that UVA is going out there pitching like, Hey, we were number one for three weeks last year. Like that's great, but that's just an anecdote. I mean, every team is pitching something like, you know, it it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day and people shouldn't get so wrapped up in it. And there's not one way to create a poll. If you want to get mad about something, read Gary Parish's poll attacks column every Monday because every Monday somebody does something dumb with their poll, and it's usually a human error. But that's the kind of stuff – like if you want to get mad about people putting Kentucky ahead of UVA after they didn't have them that way last week, that's a legitimate complaint. But, I mean, I I don't think you can sit there and say, like, it's absurd to have Gonzaga number one or anything like that. And, you know, if they were flipped the other way, Gonzaga fans might be upset about that. But, you know, I, I would say the same thing to them. I said this to
0: you guys the other day, but it really reminds me of, like, walking in the concourse at Scott Stadium when Virginia was getting ready to play a non-Power 5 team, right? And fans would – it didn't matter how good Virginia was. There's this expectation that you're supposed to beat teams from other conferences. And I think a lot of the mistakes that people are making about Virginia in the poll and whatnot come from this – basically originate the same place to say that Gonzaga shouldn't be number one. And it, it's just because ACC basketball to a lot of people in ACC basketball country is the end all be all. And so a team from out West who's not playing anybody, uh, it, it doesn't matter how good they're winning, right? It matters that what conference they play in. Whereas Virginia with so much success and, you know, the whole idea like that Virginia's a fraud because Virginia hasn't won in the postseason. Well, but they did this in the ACC, these fans think. So like, to them because ACC basketball is king. Well, they did in the toughest conference in America, so they're clearly good. It doesn't matter what this other thing happens. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, which is not, I mean, that's I feel like that that should be our podcast, you know, multiple things can be true at once. Like Gonzaga does play in a crappy conference, but they're still really good and they're 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 cased for being the best team in the country right now. I always think of the poll. If I was a voter, I would say who's my who's the best team right now. And it doesn't necessarily you know, it's not just your your resume, but your resume sort of does impact it, right? It's it's how good you're playing. It's it's all of the things sort of combined. Um, the fact that different voters vote for it different ways, and certainly that they make mistakes along the way, should probably tell you that maybe the thing isn't quite as serious as you take it. I think Ferber, the way you described it. Um, it, it's a good way for the general fan to have an idea of who the good teams are. That's it. That's that's the way it is. And I understand fans who want Virginia to be number one. I get that. You want your team to be the best team. You think your team is the best team. I don't think most people who have watched Virginia lately think Virginia has been playing as well as Virginia can play. And so even if you were going to make the case that they should be the number one team in the country, can you really make the case that they're play, they're the best version of themselves I would say they're not. I mean, I think they've turned the ball over too much. They have looked at times uh out of sync offensively. Um, certainly they've had a really nice second half against uh Louisville. Um they had some, you know, some nice moments um in in, in a bunch of these games. And at times they've had some rough ones. I mean I can't – I don't think that they – it's it's such a foregone conclusion, right? You're not saying, like, oh, here's Virginia beating the crap out of ACC teams, but they're voting Gonzaga number one, you know, when they're beating teams out in the WCC. Like, no, that's not what's happening. And so, ultimately, I think folks have to sort of appreciate their own bias, but that's really – that nuance is hard. And, ultimately, this thing is like a – this is a fun game kind of thing, inside the game, and it's not like a, you know, let's go, you know, grab some pitchforks and storm the castle. I don't – I just, I just think that once you've been there, it has to become more routine. And sometimes you're going to be two, and sometimes you're going to be three, and teams are going to move around for no apparent reason. Um, and that's just sort of, you know, the way it is. Uh, we should state for the record that after Dave Jinkxum apparently was tied uh, after he said book it, but then Tech eventually did win. So now, as it stands, uh, all things being the same, Virginia has the. The tiebreaker and would be the number one. If UVA
2: wins out, they'll be the number one seed in the East. regardless of
0: what happens between
2: Duke and Carolina. Right, and also playing at noon. (laughs) I I tweeted this, but um, it also and and I'm not guaranteeing anything because UVA still has to play their games, and the committee has to figure everything out, and Duke has to play out too. They could end up winning the ACC tournament and beating UVA a third time. But I mean, it does at least give UVA a shot at the East Region number one seed. Um, something that was kind of a foregone conclusion for Duke until the last week or so when they lost two games. But I mean, that is, I think, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead. You got to win the games in the in the NCAAs and you got to get there first and all that. But, you know, that would be huge to be able to play your regional sweet 16 elite eight games in DC, um, you know, right in your backyard. I think that's a huge advantage for you. And then, you know, things set up a little better than they might otherwise. But, I mean, huge win for Virginia Tech, obviously, and it really helps UVA more than anybody else, except for Tech, obviously. Yeah.
0: Our podcast is now I mean, Ferber's Twitter is, feed.
2: Yeah. I mean, but, but, I mean, it I mean, is Furber's worth mentioning. You know, it's, it's, it's current. I mean, if UVA goes out and loses to Georgia Tech Wednesday night, then obviously it doesn't really matter much. But, yeah, I oh, mean, man, That's is. a great segue. Dave, did yeah. you have and, something to say?
1: I, what, what did you have to say, Dave? No, I was going to say Ferb is more of the expert on the tournaments, but you know, to me, I think Virginia getting the one in the East comes down to what they do against Duke in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. I would agree meet. with that. Yeah. The committee is going to give them a pass on Zion. Being
2: right. Prepared. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, and I think that's fair, right? I mean, I think that at some point. I'm personally you know, if, fine with that. If you go in with, if you go with Zion into the tournament full strength, like if he comes back against Miami or whoever they play next, and, and then he rolls them to an ACC tournament championship, beating UVA in the process. I mean, their resumes would be comparable and Duke would have beaten them three times. So Uh, that would, I mean, UVA would still be on the one line, but you know, you kind of would have to give it to Duke at that point. But if they falter down the stretch or if he comes back and they don't quite look the same or, you know, they, they, he comes back and they lose to Carolina or something, you know, who knows, or if UVA beats them in the ACC tournament. Um, But also, I mean, the ACC tournament, I guess it's not maybe as important to people as it has been in the past. I know a lot of people really care about it and it, it is, you know, a nice thing to win, but they've done it um, at this point. But I mean, being the one seed, I think really matters there because I honestly think that if it was like a, if I was Vegas, I would have it UVA, Duke, or Carolina kind of versus the field because um, I think there is a gap between them and the rest of the league at, at full strength anyway. Um, and so I think that being the one seed, you would at least avoid that other team in the top three in the semis.
0: Um. We were, we're thirty some minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about the two games we're supposed to talk to talk about. My guess is this is going to be relatively quick because one of those teams is horrible, uh, regardless of what I've said uh, on this podcast at times, and the other of- team just plays good defense, <laughs> but is also horrible offensively and uh, is a twenty one point underdog. At last, I heard. Um, I'm I'm fully expecting Virginia to to beat Georgia Tech tomorrow night and do it handily. Um, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think Georgia Tech is as bad as Pitt. I do think Georgia Tech is bad. I do think Georgia Tech plays good defense and you, once you you eventually you have to crack it and once you do you can just keep eating. Um but my expectation is that it could be a little slow to start and then Virginia gets on a roll. Um D- uh Dave, tell me what what's your what's your feeling on this game? Do you like the, the minus 21? Do you think that that's too many points?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's too many points if Virginia plays the whole way, but I mean, I I personally, I think between today, you know, between tomorrow's game and Saturday's game, your goal is to to win two and be healthy and rested coming out of it. Um, So that doesn't necessarily lend itself to covering a 21 point spread at home, unless you're just ridiculously hot from three. Uh, I don't expect Virginia to struggle very much against Georgia tech, Um, you know, over the course of the game there might be moments um as we've seen in multiple games but yeah it's yeah <laughs> thanks for coming out but I, virginia's due for a hot shooting game too that's what i feel i feel really bad about the next two guys so um yeah i'm expecting to watch tomorrow's game it's like a one beer game i think We'll start judging the my nervousness on the number of beers I drink. I think it's a one beer game. <laughs>
0: um, I, I personally, I mean, not to not to recharge the whole uh, polls and you know rankings discussion, but I personally am all about Virginia beating the crap out of everybody so as to you know try to get that one seat in the East so I can not travel. Uh, where's the Midwest? I mean, the South region is that the in, South is in Louisville, Louisville, but you're in the Midwest but, is in Kansas and so. the East is in DC, which, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, it's but for Ferber, Ferber lives kind of close to DC. So I would like to just crash at his, at his place instead of like, you know, spending a lot of money that, um, I don't need to spend Ferber. As you look at Georgia tech, you're going to do the preview tomorrow. So don't spoil it. Um, I mean, you're going to have Virginia winning by a bunch, but, um, are we overlooking? I mean, what I think it was you who made the joke when I was talking about one of them's horrible, and they were like one of them. But are we overlooking Georgia Tech at all? Is this a Notre Dame situation where we expect it to be, you know, a twelve-point game, and it ends up being a couple possessions instead?
2: I mean, it could be just like almost any game could be in the ACC. I mean, you're going against good coaches and talented players, but I wouldn't bet money on it or expect it to happen for any specific reason. Uh, like you said, you know, they, they're they a top 25 defense and the worst offense in the league. And if you had asked me going into the season who would have had the worst offense in the league, I probably would have said Georgia Tech just based on their personnel. Like, they just don't have a ton of firepower on that team. I mean, Jose Alvarado is a decent player, but he's not a first scoring option on an ACC team, I don't think, uh, normally, right? And I think there are other guys that they have just haven't really gotten it going and you know but they do defend well. they're a long team like they do have some big guys that you know have some skill and can affect shots around the rim but overall I think that especially at home this is a game that UVA could really get going but like Dave said I could easily see this end up you know not being a cover just because it's going to be a low-scoring, grind-it-out game. Uh, Georgia Tech knows UVA plays slow. But, you know They rely on defense themselves, so I think that they'll be more than happy to play a low-possession game and then hope that UVA just shoots the ball terribly and that they can kind of keep it close and stay in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia Tech doesn't end up breaking 50 uh, and UVA ends up somewhere in like the mid-60s. Uh, Worst-case scenario, I could see it being like a – you know, 58, 50 kind of ugly game. Um, but I think that, like Dave said, I think that EVA will shoot the ball a little bit better at home and, and get it done. Not to mention, I mean, I don't know if you heard this, but the, the athletic director, when Josh Pastner got there, said that he gonna wasn't going to win an ACC game for three years. <laughs> so, I mean, he's ahead of the curve if you really think about it.
0: What, what did the athletic director at Pittsburgh say to Jason Capel when he wanted to come drop bags? Because that team's bad. Um, and I'm, we're not going to spend too much time on them Because we're 39 minutes plus into this um, Alright How many Tonys for Pitt in this game? One, two, or none, Dave? I'm going to go none Interesting, okay um, So you th- it's for the for the people at home A Tony is when uh, Virginia Or somebody else, I mean I guess anybody Could theoretically uh, give somebody a Tony uh, When a team is held To 20 points or fewer um, Is it 20 points or less Or 20 points or fewer? To, to less than – to 20 points or less. Yeah, that's right. Um, in, in a half. I would say at least one. Um, but I'm not terribly um, confident in it. I just – I don't know. Just something about this game. Um, I don't know. Just I – w- I, I will never look at Pitt the same because I just want Stallings to be there hating his entire team. What was that in, like, 20 – was it – it was 2017, right, Ferber, when we were there and, like, we were just – I remember sitting there at that game, I was busy doing stuff and like I just I've never seen a coach who hated his team as much as that dude hated that team and I'm just never it's, gonna give it he, up. He was
2: he it kinda reminded me of like a dad out in public when your like smaller kids are misbehaving but you can't really draw too much negative attention to yourself by like screaming at them. <laughs> so you're just like, Would you stop it? Like, you know, kind of like he, under your that's he, he had them. that like seething dad rage.
0: He hated them. Um, hated them yeah. so much. All right. Uh, Ferber, how many Tonys for for the Panthers on Saturday?
2: I'll say zero as well. I mean, I could see it happening, but I, I think that their offense isn't as bad as Georgia Tech's. I think if you're going to see a Tony, it will probably be on Wednesday night. Uh, Georgia Tech's offense is not very good. Pitt, Pitt, at least they're they're young, but at least they have you know some some players that can younger players that have talent. I think that they'll end up somewhere in the fifty point range. I, I, I'd say Tony likelihood at uh, about thirty three percent. We will close
0: up this week's uh, episode with our new segment, Ask Cavs Corner. Basically, we're going to – I'll post a thread every um, – the day we record the show. You toss out some questions. We won't get to all of them. We'll get to some of them. I'm, I'm going to be choosy because we're trying to entertain folks here, not just, like, um, go through <laughs> go through a bunch of uh, answers uh, that, you know – to questions that might necessarily be quite as interesting, um, we're also going to do a um, some sort of thing on Twitter, probably with a, some sort of hashtag, which is probably just going to be like Ask Has Corner, um, because it's the easiest way to find the questions. Uh, first up, what are your thoughts on Marco Anthony and C- Cody Statman? Um, do you think they'll be contributors in a few years, or are they destined to transfer? I will go first on this one. Um, I I think Marco probably going to transfer. Not not because any birdies have told me that. I just think it makes the most sense. I think he's probably good enough to go play somewhere. I just don't think it's going to be. He's. I just don't see him being a full time contributor. At UVA. Um, Cody Statman. I think it's just it's TBD. I, I think he's a he's a, a first year working his way through it. Um, I think the fact that they played him said as much about. Um, I've always thought that Virginia didn't want to redshirt guys that they didn't think had potential unless it was a physical thing. And he seemed to be a kid who had potential and needed some time. So the fact that they played him, I think, says maybe they think he needs to play next year uh, or maybe they wanted to be there just in case. But at this point, I think that one's still TBD. What do you think, Ferber?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Marco, I think. I you know, I kind of feel the same way as you. I mean, I feel like for his own sake, it might be the best thing just because you got two years of eligibility, especially if like Ty comes back. Um, you know, you're gonna spend another season buried on the bench behind him, and then you got Kihei taking a lot of minutes. So maybe he, you know could could do something somewhere else. If not, I mean, obviously, I'm not rooting for that, but you know you want whatever's best for them. So, um, I think that he could contribute, Stavin. You know, I think that it's going to come down to how good of a shooter he ends up being because I think he has a sneaky, like, size thing. I mean, he's a he's bigger than you think he is, like, by, just by looking at, like, a picture of him. I mean, he's he's tall, Um, and he can kind of—you've seen in, in moments he can kind of, like, get to the rim, takes his, like, little Euro steps sometimes, and he, he has long strides. So I think he could develop into something. He obviously needs to add strength, but— if he can become like a knockdown three-point shooter or, you know, something like close to that, then I think he could be a role player down the road. It's just hard to project because we haven't seen that much of him. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think with
1: Marco, um, my guess is he's still here next year just because there's going to be I – mean, I think Ty is at least going to explore the NBA this year. And, you know, and again, you know, there's not there, – it's not crazy to think Kyle might do the same thing with the new rules other than the fact he's – getting married this offseason. Um so I think and I do think Marcos, you know, he's got some really close friends on the team. So I, I think he wait he sticks it around another year and he could potentially become a, a good backup. I don't I don't think he's A C C starter material. Um and then as far as statman I think it's a way too early to say. I, I'm I, I'm completely okay with him playing this year. I think you had to kind of hedge hedge yourself on the fact that, you know, Key's already tried to come out once so you, you couldn't afford with Key and Hunter playing the three, uh, you know, playing that kind of similar role. I think, you know, I kind of advocated preseason that I thought Statman should play, even if limited minutes, just to get his feet wet and see what the the U.S. NCAA game is like. Right? Um, he could potentially redshirt next year, depending on the roster shakes out. So I do think he'll be a contributor junior senior year, and um, not too worried about him at this point.
0: Uh, thanks to Nova J for that one. We're going to go to uh, um, Jaw 8YK, Jayhawk. I don't know how you say that. Um, I'm sorry in advance. Um, are there any teams, Ferber, this is specifically for you, currently projected a 7 to 10 seed that you think present matchup issues for UVA in the second round?
2: Yeah, I mean, assuming they're a one seed, I'll just pull up bracketology real quick and look at it. Honestly, nobody really jumps out to me on the 8-9 line that Lonardi has right now because you're not going to play Syracuse. Uh, A lot of SEC teams, and I feel like they're all about the same. I know Auburn's talented, but they've been really bad during the last month or so. I mean, they lost a lot of games, so they were at one point like a two seed. Um, The one team that honestly would scare me the most that's lingering around that area is Villanova. Um, You know, they were a team that a couple weeks ago people were talking about maybe they could work their way up to the two line. Now, Lenardi has them on the seven. They, they lost another bad game on Sunday to a pretty mediocre Xavier team. And, you know, if they lose a couple more or end up right around where they are now, like they could easily be somewhere near an 8-9 game uh, or seven seed or something. So, And just the pedigree of that team, you know, they, they, they might not have a ton of guys that contributed a lot last year, but they have guys that were on that team. And Jay Wright's an excellent coach, and they've played UVA in the past. And I think that that's a matchup you would hope to avoid. Other than that, I mean, Wofford might be kind of a sleeper just because, you know, they're an under the radar team, um, but they're a good one. And uh, they've they've beaten some good teams. And I think they're like 25 and four or something like that. And they're ranked in the top 25 since, you know, that's the end all be all now. So um, other than that, I mean, I guess it just comes down to matchups.
0: Dave, I'm going to move on to the next question unless you have something pressing you want to share there. I do not Okay, hearing none um, We're going to finish up, I I think Because this one will probably be a fairly good discussion um, And we're like 47 minutes in Uh, This one's from MyCavFam92 Who do you see as the new contributors next year And who likely shirts if anyone And any word on uh, Cafaro Other than his air guitar, I'm guessing Um, I'll start here Um, I think people know that casey morsell is going to be very good i don't know if they understand how good he's going to be and i'm not going to come out here and tell you he's the next malcolm brogdon because i don't think that that's necessarily fair um to the kid (laughs) what if i had said that i don't think that's fair to malcolm brogdon that would have been mean um I i think casey is so ready made like all the all of the, the conversation we've had about this team, not all of it, but a lot of it this year has been about Huff and, and Clark, right? Um, even though Huff is clearly is not a first year, this is his first time really being in a, in, in a role where he contributes, right? And physically, he and Clark are both in a different, you know, they're just not where the other guys are. And so there's some deficiency there. There's a whole lot of, like, you know, talking about how many minutes Clark plays, how many minutes Huff doesn't play, and yada, yada, yada. That's been a conversation we've we've had on Casey morcell's gonna play and as many minutes as they want to give him he'll be able to handle like that dude is ready he plays in arguably I think the best high school conference in in the region probably one of the best in the country he is as tested on the AAU circuit as you're gonna find he's good at playing his role his, his his skill set and sort of the way he plays a game fits perfectly with what UVA wants to do. I think he's an upgrade in um, maybe the, what UVA has historically looked for uh, in terms of athleticism, or maybe not necessarily look for. That's not necessarily fair in terms of what they've gotten. Like I think he's a he's exactly the kind of recruit um, that he's it, he's. it fits too well, but also I think he's a really valuable prospect. And I also think that uh, our shop has him undervalued. Significantly, I think he's much better than his ranking. I expect Casey Morsell to be a contributor, especially if, we, if we're if we talking about a, a, a reality where DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome have gone pro, um, especially even more so if Kyle Guy has also gone to play professionally somewhere. Um, the Virginia's going to need somebody ready to step in and take a lot of minutes at guard, and he would be the guy. Caden Shedrick, I think, to me, is not quite there. Because I think he's a little bit more, like he needs a little bit more time to soak. But I don't foresee him redshirting. I don't foresee him, you know, being a, uh, an ulcer ran. I would imagine he's going to play. Now, the thing about the post is Huff and Diakite would would obviously return. Cafaro, um, I mean, all intents and purposes, Cafaro is going to be the physical inside presence that Jack Salt is, but with offense. And he's going to be a perfect fit with, I think, Huff and Diakite and, and Shedrick. Um, I think because Diakite's got some versatility to his game, he can, he can also play that role along with the other two. So Shedrick will, will be more of a, um, a question mark in terms of how many minutes he gets regularly, but I do expect him to play, and I think his ceiling is absurdly high, um, easily higher than any big Virginia has brought in in um, a long, long time. Um, so those two kids I think Cafaro will play And play a lot um, I wouldn't be surprised If he could play today Now that you know He's through the The knee injury um, But there's some I think everybody saw him In, in the um, In the unders And really You know he How well he played Against Team USA And everything I think there's some Aspects to his game That Virginia wants to improve uh, and, and improve significantly So I expect them all To be contributors Casey the most um, Of the group uh, I'll open up. Dave, we'll start with you. Um, you can tell me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right or somewhere in between, whatever you want to do.
1: No, man, I think you're right. I, I, it just depends on how the roster shakes out, right? I mean, you know, if if you're talking new contributors, it's Casey all day. I, I don't think Shudrick's going to play oh, enough to – my guess is he'll kind of – if he plays next year, it'll kind of be the J.F. thing. Like, why isn't he playing more? Yeah. Um, but Casey, yeah, I think you're right. I think he, out of the gate, he's a he's a significant. I don't know if he's a starter, depending on who comes back. But you know, he's this. He's probably the sixth man. Um, but you know, if Ty and Kyle come back, come back, you know, they're probably going to be the big contributors. Big shock. Um, and I, I expect Mamadi next year to have
2: a huge season, assuming he comes back too. <laughs> wow. All
1: right,
0: Ferber, what do you got to add uh, before we? Not much.
2: Up? I mean, I think you guys pretty much hit it um casey obviously wac wcac player of the year um the probably the toughest private school league around maybe on the east coast i'm not sure um they actually he got his team to the final that was last night they lost to gonzaga Um, but they weren't expected to get that far and he kind of dragged them there and uh, there's a lot of good players in that league. I mean, he shared the award with Trevor Keels and Justin Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of good competition in that league. I think that's gonna serve him well in, in ACC play. Shedrick, I think, could be kind of like a early years akeel, kind of like, you know, he gets it on the defensive end and his game kind of develops over time, but he plays some minutes, and then Cafaro, I think, will will join the rotation as well, especially, you know, with Jack. He's been he's not obviously people see him as kind of like a defensive first player that, that doesn't contribute a lot on offense, but I mean, he gives you good minutes and does a lot of things that a lot of people on the team don't do as well as he does like screen. Um, so I think that having multiple bigs to kind of come in and replace him is good. And then also, you know, there, there's another potential grad transfer possibility here, especially if guys leave early to go pro, I don't know who that would be, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they take one.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, because I think Virginia would be a more attractive option with multiple guys leaving for the pros, yeah. And especially, especially
2: for a one year scenario, right, Where it's exactly. like if you just have one to play, kind of like Louisville did a few years ago, where they grabbed those two guys um, that were that were basically like linchpins of their team that year. Yeah. Um, also yeah,
0: uh, we, worth noting that uh, Salt, I think his his his. his Overall, sort of work ethic and the way he—I mean—I understand people see him on the court and, and don't think, but he like the kid has taken I'll, I'll just put in a lot of work, and I think if nothing else, hit the impact that 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 he's had on Kafaro could be maybe his biggest contribution because he—I I don't think it can be overstated just how important his his sort of leadership on and off the court has been. And I know it feels at this point in the season, like he's about to get marginalized because it sort of seems like other bigs are emerging. And I don't want to, I don't want to cloud that, but I do think it's, it's worth noting at least that like watching Jack work, and understanding the way that he approaches the game, and even if even if his even what he produces on the court isn't quite what the other bigs that he he learned it from, I think the fact that he carried that torch is important, and I think that that's going to have a, a significant impact on a guy like Kafaro. What are we going to say, Dave?
1: Well, first of all, you're right about Jack. He's probably going to graduate one of the least appreciated players in Virginia recent Virginia program history. Like you know when you when you listen to the other teams other teams coaches post game, Jack is one of the first names out of their mouth. Uh, game after game just you know he doesn't play a lot of minutes but the intensity and physicality he brings is something you don't see a lot in the college game anymore i agree um so but yeah um the other thing i was gonna say like i couldn't let the whole podcast go by without God. us not giving pra- like tony bennett started an entirely different <laughs> rotation in the second half of louisville
0: he also played started he played mom didi for like two minutes with two thousand yeah. in the, end of the first half too
1: yeah i mean there was a there's a lot there if you wanted to see it. <laughs> you know, yeah. So.
0: And and also, too, like, remember last year after the UMBC loss, there was so much conversation about what are they going to do with the offense and what are they going to do with the offense, and they need to play faster. They didn't play any faster, but, man, there's versatility in that group. Um, and they deserve credit for that. They've they've done a good job of continuing to, to tweak that. If uh, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website Thank you very much for giving us a listen uh, If you don't mind, look us up Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your shows Overcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify Which we are now on Spotify So therefore that is a thing that exists uh, Ratings, reviews are always helpful Get us out in front of more people So that um, would be greatly appreciated um, And if you could, can, subscribe So the show just comes to you And you don't have to worry about coming to find us If you're somebody who has found the pod But has not given us a look Give us a... Um, Give us a few minutes of your time. Capscorner.com. Right now you can read our take two on the Louisville game. We tell you why the Wahoos won it, what it means for them going forward. We also, um, as I mentioned, I just did the rewatch with lots of video embeds and kind of conversation around sort of how they were able to turn that thing around. Uh, Later today, as you listen to this, Ferb will have our preview of the Georgia Tech game. And then later in the week, uh, he'll also get you right for – uh, pit on saturday which i'm gonna i'm gonna assume is a probably a virginia win uh on that front so again i want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show i want to thank dave and ferber and got it right for giving graciously of their time as always i very much appreciate it um and I, we will i guess see you next week uh for david spence justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher of castcorner.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon